I'm finna put all this in my book bag because I'm from the streets. Yeah, yeah. Boom, what's going on? It's your boy Ambition and welcome to another episode of the MYFB podcast. And today I have with me Miss Laura Templeton. And Laura is an author, a public speaker. She is credited with the 30 seconds to pitch, which I love because who needs a whole 60 seconds when you have Laura? So without further ado, Miss Laura Templeton. How you doing, Laura? Great today. Thank you so much for having me on here. I really appreciate you bringing me in. Uh, thank you for coming on. Right. Uh, tell us a little bit more about your um, this 30 second uh, pitch idea. How how are people getting their ideas across in 30 seconds? Ah, so the question therein lies, my, my key and my tagline is really ditch the pitch and start connecting. And what I mean by that is you have a very unique opportunity to share what it is that you do in 30 seconds or less mm -hmm. when you're in front of an audience doing networking or even on video, right? You can very clearly and very succinctly create a message that attracts the right people to your business and to your to whatever products or service you're offering when you start to really niche down to what it is that you deliver for your clients day in and day out. Wow. Wow. So, so immediately we're jumping into it. You guys hear this, right? What if it only took you half the time to really connect? Um, so what are some of the things that, you know, people are doing within that first 30 seconds that really helps them connect with the uh, listeners? I think the, the power behind your 30 second message is really listening to your audience, right? If you understand who your audience is or who your ideal client is and what they need, you can craft a very clear, concise message that connects with them on a deep emotional level. It's kind of a marketing 101 concept where if you speak to the pain or problem and then present yourself as the solution for them, you will attract the people that you are meant to work with. Wow. No, definitely. Uh, I do remember hearing those things again and again and again, but I, I love the way that you've put it together where, you know, we're shrinking it down to 30 seconds. Um, but what results are people saying and, and what are your clients saying back to you about, you know, shortening this time, really focusing on the uh, connection piece? What, what, are, what are people saying about, you know, only taking 30 seconds versus taking longer? So the foundation of my my services really came from the networking environment, right? That networking world. When you're in at a networking event and you, they go around the room and they do 30 second messages where they're presenting what you do, it's basically like your business commercial. And what I found was when I started working with clients, most of them were a little more disconcerted because they didn't, number one, didn't understand deeply who their ideal client was. They felt like, mm. oh, I can, you know, everybody's my client. Well, that's not necessarily true. So if you really do some understand, go some development of who your ideal client is and really create an, a client avatar, you start to speak the language that they're looking for. Mm. So crafting your message in a way that really speaks to that client avatar, because you understand what their pain or problem is, right? And you understand how you solve it for them. One of the key things that I do a lot of times with clients is I will create really great questions for people to ask when they're doing their 30 second message. Right. That creates engagement. 
Because like you said, 30 seconds, we don't have a whole lot of time to grab someone's attention. Actually, whatever comes out of your mouth first needs to be the most important thing that you say. Because nine times out of 10, people are either A, not listening, B, they're trying to figure out what they're going to say, or C, they're still focused on the what the last guy had to say. But if you come out with a really almost like showstopper type of statement, like a really kind of um, strong statement or question that gets people to engage with you, shake their heads, raise their hand, like, oh yeah, I totally get what you mean. Um, that's, that's where the key element comes in. It's really grabbing someone's attention from the first thing that you have to say. And, and frankly, I tell people all the time, especially if you're in a networking environment, don't use your name, name first. Mm. Wait, because you only have about seven or eight seconds to grab someone's attention before they decide if they're going to, you know, for them to decide whether they're going to listen to you or not. Nice, nice. You know what um, ran through my head? I'm a pretty random guy. As you were saying it, I was like, you know who really has that down packed really well? Bank robbers. They go, <laughs> I got a gun. Put all the money in the bag. It was like, you have my attention now. <laughs> Right. So it, I definitely think that makes a whole lot of sense. You never heard about a bank robber saying, hey, how are you doing? What, where are you from? Well, how about you put all the money in the bag, right? Yeah, I, I got to go and put all the money in the bag. I'm thinking I might want to rob this bank. What do you think? Do you think I should do that? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right. Hey, I've got a gun. Give me your money. Um, I don't necessarily recommend that people go around saying that. <laughs> no, don't say, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Um, find a much more positive way to do that with your businesses. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? But, you know, I have, um, I, I can't tell you how many times, how many times I do go to a website and there's all this text that you have to read and you're like, I don't have time for this. And you just click and go to somebody else's website. Right. Yep. Especially yep. when you're doing a search on Google. Definitely. And, but yet you land on a site where there's a really great visual or a really great video. And mm. you see on the video that it's only like maybe a minute or two long. It's like, okay, I, can, I have time to watch this. Mm. Okay. I get where you're going. It's about, right. you know, how can you get in, in that spare time that people have um, not getting them to, you know, and eventually you want to get them to sit down and take the time if that's what you're doing. But if you can get into that spare time, they have 30 seconds before they walk into a door, they're uh, sitting down before they get up to uh, get out the car and go into a restaurant. That's the space that you're talking about dominating. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. And, the, and the biggest thing too, is just remember that a lot of times people figure if they, the more they say, the more, the more they're educating their audience. Mm. Unfortunately, we lose people when we throw word set salad at them. It's just a fact. It's like, you know, have you ever been in a networking event where you're mingling with people and you've got this one person who just keeps talking and talking and talking? All you feel like, all you feel is that they're like talking at you. They have no clue who you are. They haven't asked you any questions. Mm. And you're already like, your brain has already tuned out that you're focusing on how can I escape this conversation? Yep. Your, your body language is already turning. The feet are the opposite way, right? You've stopped mirroring that person now. You're like, let me, right? I, I, I totally get it. <laughs> right. I totally get it. Okay. So what advice do you have for someone who's saying, you know what? I want to get started. Uh, I really want to look into this, but you know, 
I'm in a really complex field, right? Like, so, you know, what, what do you say to the person who's, you know, literally in rocket science, they can't, they feel like they can't describe to you what they do and who they do it for in as short as seven to 30 seconds. Well, and that's, you know, that's a really great question. I, and I can give you a really good example. I had someone who um, came to me once and was sharing with me that in her 30 second message, she felt like she had to talk about every single one of the products that her company offers. And when I asked her, okay, so how does that help me? She goes, well, if we can, if we can provide banking services, right? We provide the, a full menu of banking services for small businesses. I'm like, okay, so now I understand what you do. She goes, but I, I didn't tell you what bank, what all those banking services are. I said, yeah, but you told me that you have the full catalog of banking service that any small business is going to need. So why would I need to go elsewhere if I can get it all from you? So taking that information, right? You know, rocket scientists. Here's another example. I have a young woman who I was networking with one time and I asked her, oh, so, so what do you do? When you're standing around that, I love that. So what do you do question, right? Right. And it's really having a really great one line sentence that gets people to lean in and want to know more. And, and then you can take that, I you know, have a whole process of helping you understand how to take that to into a deeper conversation where you do have time to share the benefits. Gotcha. If somebody said to me, hey, I'm a rocket scientist. I'm like, oh, wait, <laughs> I want to know what you do. But I had a young woman one time who said to me, I'm an accountant. And I was like, okay, an accountant for... And mm -hmm. she, so she told me who she worked for. And I said, okay, so what do you like about your work? I had to literally draw a lot of the, a lot of the information out of her. Mm. And, you know, so there's a fine line between not saying enough and saying too much. Got you. So for someone in a field where it's a very technically driven field, you have to put yourself in the shoes of your listener, in the shoes of your audience especially if you're networking and you're out and about and you're sharing insights with other people, maybe you talk about, and I'm, you know, if you can, okay, because we know how security issues can play into some of your businesses. Maybe you talk about a project that you worked on, right? A lot of times when I'm coaching professionals in the workplace, that's what we do is we kind of like, okay, keep a list of the projects that you're working on. What were the results? What were some of the highlights? What did you deliver? You know, so I have professionals that, you know, have literally been on the elevator with the head of the company who said to them, oh, what are you working on now? And they, they have it, you know, now they know how to position it well, like, okay, I'm working on this and here's what we've been running into. We were able to solve X, you know, now we're on to figuring out why do you, and then putting it back on them to ask deeper questions. And a lot of times it just, it creates more opportunity to have deeper conversations. You know what um, it reminds me of is um, Bruce Lee's philosophy on martial arts, where he says, um, in the beginning, a punch is just a punch. And then you learn all of these different ways to punch and you become an expert and you can punch this way, you can punch that way. And when you finally mastered it, a punch becomes a punch again. So mm. what what I'm hearing is that you know, for a lot of us who are embarking upon really complex fields, um, in the beginning, we kind of had this general understanding, right? If you're in cybersecurity, you're like, I stop hackers or I protect networks from hackers. 
And then you started learning all of these different things, incident response and data analytics. And you're like, yeah, my job is really complex, right? And you, it's, it, it becomes like an ego thing about how complex your job is. But once you've mastered it, you go, yeah, I stop hackers. Right. <laughs> and that's the end of it. So I, I, I love the fact that you're, you're you know, reminding a, a lot of us as professionals when, you know, our jobs are complex and we're also proud of what we've accomplished simplify it right it still sounds amazing when you give the simple answer right right and it's but and that's the biggest piece is your audience will understand it when you put it in terms that they can understand mm. so I sometimes you have to put yourself in you know put it put yourself in the shoes of your audience for them to understand what it is they're listening for Okay, you did mention that you also did some public speaking. Does this translate into the first 30 seconds of your speeches as well? Like, how, how are you? I, I, I would imagine that if you have a book that says you're taking over the first 30 seconds in networking, that the first 30 seconds of your speeches are. So how would you advise uh, up and coming speakers, other speakers who are getting on stage? How do they grab the attention within their first 30 seconds? A great story. Love a it. great story is the best way to grab someone's attention. But again, keeping it simple. Mm. Some people can be really deep storytellers that the story just kind of drags on and it's like, okay, get to the point. Um, so, you know, remembering there's a framework behind telling a story. And that's what really comes into play. It's the same thing with your 30 second message. It's the framework. You know, there's there's the nice. framework behind telling a great story. It's what was the you know, what was the situation? Right. You want to talk about what was the pain or problem that was going on in the moment? How did it get resolved? You know, what happened and how did it get resolved? It's the resolution. Mm. That, and then that resolution ties in to what your message is. I love that. I love that. It, it really does. Um, you know from my experience with speaking, it really does help you grab the attention. If in the very beginning, you have something that you can just pull them in. And even from my experience with hypnotherapy, right? Stories have those five senses, right? So once you think about when someone's seeing, what someone's feeling, what someone's smelling, touching and hearing, you bring that into the story, you definitely can um, take over within that first 30 seconds. So tell us a little, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say, even in, even in your 30 second message, if you, I have a client that was, uh, uh, is, sorry, mm -hmm. is a feng shui consultant. And one of the things that she really struggled with when we were writing commercials for her was using my typical framework. And, you know, I have a 30 second success formula that I work with all my clients. It really is a great descriptor. And it was something that I learned years ago in network marketing and working with um, high level professional development. One of the things that I found was this particular person really struggled to have a scripted message, mm. you know, and a lot of people do. But once I taught her how to tell a story as her 30 second message in that 30 in that moment, once she understood how to tell a story using the formula, because, you know, her biggest thing was, oh, there's no way I can tell a story in 30 seconds. There's no way it's just not going to happen. Mm. She was literally, it was like a light bulb went off and she gained so much confidence by delivering a message that really felt true and authentic to her heart. It expressed and explained 
the experiences her clients have when they work with her and her confidence went through the roof. And she's like a master at telling her, giving her 30 second message now where before she would stumble and struggle and always feel defeated when she was done. Wow. Yeah. That's so amazing. it's amazing. It's amazing to see the transformation when someone has that story, that innate message that really describes who they are and how they serve the people that they're meant to work with. Mm. Because I think there's also a bit of a belief factor in there. Like if if I've worked with them and I've created messages for them based on the comp- the, the information I've drawn out of them, um, and the, because I really get into who's your ideal client, understanding your business, how do you deliver it? What do you so how do you serve your audience when they have that message? It's so amazing to see them go from the struggle of delivering a message to confident clear, concise, and able to move on. And it's just, it's like that light bulb moment that happens when you see it because, because, and I think a lot of it is because they see the fact that I believe it in them. I I love the fact that you said, um, you know, you kind of just break down the formula for her because I know that's how it is for me. Um, I never write out my speeches anymore. Like I can stand in front of you and talk for an hour if I need to, but if I try to plan the speech outside of like a presentation, the pre a presentation is different because now I have materials and you're not supposed to repeat what's on the slideshow anyway. But outside of that, I just, all I need is my formula, right? Um, so one of the formulas that I just kind of want to share with the listeners right now, um, and I'm pretty sure you're aware of this, is Huck story lesson, right? Um, you know, Hook is that attention grabber. The story is just what what you can you use? What story can you use to prove the hook? And then the lesson, what lesson comes from the story? So for anybody listening, if you do have the you know time and you're really trying to figure out how do I grab someone's attention? Uh, and I'm saying this more so on stage. Um, I've even used it for reels on Instagram. Um, hook story lesson. Right. Yeah. And didn't come from me yeah didn't come from me it actually came from one of my coaches so kudos to him for that um okay so let's dive a little bit deeper right what inspired you to get into marketing in the first place so i think i've always used networking as part of my marketing strategy when i was you know doing uh network marketing for a really long time i was involved in network marketing i was in corporate america for about 10 years before my son was born and was always in project management so understanding the ins and outs of project management and it was in construction project management so i was worked very closely with our marketing team because i worked for a bank and we were building a brand for our bank that was before I hate to admit this. I was kind of before the branding was a thing, believe it or not. Mm. Um, it, it was built into marketing, but it wasn't a common term. And we were one of the first um, banks to pioneer the every bank looks the same blueprint. Wow. We use okay. the same colors. We use the same floor plan. We use the same format. All the furniture was template. You know, we had a template for every branch. It just made it that much easier for us to build branches. Nice. And so there was always that marketing piece. I was always very intrigued by marketing and, you know, stepping into networking as part of my marketing strategy very early on in my, in my uh, 
business development when I was, you know, after, after corporate America, I wanted to be able to have something, be a stay at home mom, and yet still have a business and, and contribute to the, to the family budget. So I had stepped into a role with network marketing and absolutely loved it. They d- deliver so much good training nice. in the network marketing companies. They, you know, if nev- if you have never experienced network marketing, um, I always recommend it to people because it's just a very different business model and they're very relational. So understanding that was a big key to me stepping into then a leadership role with one of the networking network, yeah, networking organizations that I belong to. And what I witnessed was that there were many women that would literally be super duper confident. I knew what their story was. I, I understood exactly what they did, but yet when they would stand up and do a 30 second message, it just didn't resonate. It was like my mm. heart would hurt because I knew how hard it was for them to stand up and do that. And yet it wasn't making a connection. And they kept asking, do you have know anybody who will teach us how to do 30 second messages? And I couldn't find anybody at the time. There was There were people that would teach about networking and connecting and things like that, but there really wasn't anybody working specifically in that lane. Well, I knew how to do it. I understood how it worked. So I started teaching people within my network. Then word got out that I was teaching people in my network. And then I started getting more and more requests to speak to other groups. And about a year into it, I came home one day and said to my husband, I think I know what I'm going to do next. I'm going to start my own business. So nice. Yeah. yeah, I I love those stories that start out that way, where it's like, it, it finds you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think people often think that it's like, well, you know, I got to figure out what I want to do now. Otherwise, I'm never going to be able to do anything. N- no, just do what's in front of you. Do what you love to do. And eventually something will find you and you'll know when it finds you. Right. Um, and ironically, I really don't think it happens a second before it's time either. Mm-hmm. You know, that that's really the beauty of it. So, OK, now. L- question. What's the craziest uh, story or opportunity that has come out of uh, either a 30 second uh, message that you gave or a 30 second message that one of your clients gave? Wow, that's a really tough question because I'm, I'm the craziest story. I would have to think on that one um, because there's so many, so many good things that have come out of the work that I do. Um, but it's interesting when you talk about up-leveling, right? You know, that whole idea of up-leveling. I think one of the craziest things, <laughs> I, it was it was like a reality check for me when I was having a conversation with someone one time and she, I, I did a little bit of work with her and she turned around, she looked at me, she goes, you're not charging me enough. <laughs> like, What? She goes, you don't understand. This is going to change the whole face of my business. You're not charging me enough. So I think, you know, not necessarily the craziest thing that has come out of this, but the most valuable thing that has come out of all of the work that I do is the connections that I have with people who are willing not only to give me good, honest feedback, but also to support me in the growth that I'm experiencing in my own business and to call me out on some of the stuff that I feel, you know, that, that I need to up-level on in certain areas and, and improve upon. And um, I think that's, that's the biggest key. So having a crazy 
experience, not necessarily the case. Nothing's really coming into mind right now. So gotcha. I probably knowing me, I probably just kind of like put it out of my mind and didn't want to think about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I totally get it. Um, my mom is exactly that way. She'll she she will do something crazy, and then pretend like nothing happened. And I've chalked it up to that. Where it's like, it's unpleasant. She's not dealing with it. <laughs> the time is past, and it's over. Yeah, it's over. It's gone. <laughs> Moms have a tendency to do stuff like that. Just kind of put it out of your mind. So yeah. yeah. No, I I totally get it. I totally get yeah. it. Okay, what has been the hardest part of building your business? It's, um, I think the hardest part for me is being able to apply the things that I've learned for myself and my mm. own business. I can coach other people very easily, but coaches need coaches, to be honest with you. And I Love think it. that's a big piece of it. Um, because a lot of times I can, I can help other people see what's going on in their business. It's, you know, I have such clarity around someone else's business, but, but when it comes to my own, I need help. And a lot of times I'm, I don't, you know, just like everybody else, I feel like, oh, I can figure this out. And then, um, for example, I kept saying I was going to write a book, going to write a book, going to write a book. And I finally got to a point where I told my photographer, um, Brenda, I am so tired of hearing myself say, I'm going to write a book. She goes, okay, I'm going to connect you with the right person. So she introduced me to my publisher nice. and my book finally got done. So I think the biggest thing is having having the people aligning yourself with the people that can help you overcome some of the things that you can't see within your own business and having people who are willing to be honest with you and share what share their insights um, and in helping you grow. I, I, I like the way that you said that. Right. Um, I, I just kind of want people to kind of understand as well that one of the things that you you kind of need when you have a goal that you really want to make happen is you kind of got to be unreasonable with yourself all of the reasons that you can come up with not to do the thing oh i'm tired the the kids are home today right i i know there's plenty of days where i might say oh well i got the kids so i'm not going to do anything the kids don't stop me from working there's plenty of things that you can do so people you got to start learning to be unreasonable with yourself just like i'm assuming your publisher was with you she's like look <laughs> yeah she had me on a timeline and she told me i was only allowed to have so many edits so it was like Ooh. okay yeah yeah it was like only so many for revisions she goes perfect you don't it doesn't it's never going to be perfect you're always going to find something so you need to be it has to be good enough man and she was absolutely right you know because there were you know i was like getting to the point where i was being nitpicky <laughs> It's like, okay, enough, enough. Yeah, the perfection, you know, perfectionist will in you will slow you down tremendously if you allow it. And that's another reason to have good people around you to help you kind of get over that. Okay, so question, how did your business change before, uh, from before your book to after your book? You wrote the book. How did the book change things for you? So the interesting thing is I launched my book the very beginning of 2019. And we all know what happened in March of 2019. Ooh, yeah. So luckily, you know, in the midst of a launch, when the news media was kind of having a freak attack and, you know, obviously you can't do a whole lot of PR when everybody's talking about one specific event that changed, it just transformed the last two years. Um, what I found though, was the having, 
number one, just the feeling of accomplishment of publishing my book through a publishing company, as opposed to self-publishing, um, just it, it almost kind of solidified my belief in myself. Mm. I love yeah, that. And, and being able to call myself an author um, has a huge impact on, you know, your, the people that you're connecting with on social media in, you know, speaking events, things like that. And, you know, just being able to s- step into that accomplishment and feel like, wow, I, I finally did it, you know, cause it took me so long cause I kept saying I was going to do it. Um, and just having, you know, the, the moment I opened up the books and I don't, you can see my book on my shelf behind me. Um, right. and the, and the book even feels good. It has this really cool texture feel to it. It's, it's just, you know, that good feeling and, and, uh, there's nothing like it, you know, that first book is, is so amazing. So, and that's what a lot of people are asking me, when's the next one coming out? Because I do, I am planning on creating a series. So nice. Uh, yeah. So that's coming. So hopefully you make the MYFB podcast your, you know, st- one of the stops when you drop that next book, because we would love to hear about it. Oh, um, absolutely. I'd love that. Yeah. Okay. So my next question is, okay, who are your primary clients? I know you said that you work primarily with, or you started with network marketing. Has there been any um, diversifying of your audience profiles? Have you worked with, you know, any businesses that, well, you mentioned some speaking at corporate um, and how did you, you know, tailor your message to go into these different places? Good question. So the primarily I've always worked with professionals and business owners. So obviously professionals you're going to find in a lot of different corporate settings, you know, the folks that are really understanding what it means to build their their networks and how to do that internally as well as externally. My my ideal client is someone who is using networking as part of their marketing strategy, whether it's a sales professional, um, a corporate professional, a business owner, business professional, the people that understand that marketing can help them grow their businesses is primarily who I enjoy working with the most. And, you know, for, for lack of a better reason, it's because they understand how important that communication is in opening doors. Mm. I, I totally do get that. Right. Like, um, you know, I, I'm a digital entrepreneur and I like to be behind a computer screen, but I can't take take it for granted that there's so many people who, when they get at an event, they can close a sale, right? And it comes like that to them. And there's so many small businesses that are driven by, you know, old school, traditional, getting in front of people, shaking hands, building connections. Um, and look, I, I absolutely believe that is the one thing that is never going to go away. No matter which way we go with technology, a handshake and looking in somebody's eyes is always going to be uh, a worthwhile way to do business. So uh, you're in a excellent field. And well, you already know this. You help a ton of people, right? <laughs> okay. So uh, what what would you say to the person who's a little bit uh, introverted, right? Maybe they have... Um, 
you know, hesitations about stepping out and getting in front of people. How does that person put together a 30 second message that can wow? And what are some of the tips that you would give them to help them feel a little bit more confident? That's a really good question. And it's one of the articles that's probably gotten the most traction on my blog was how to network like an introvert. Nice. Um, Because I actually believe that you can, introverts are really good at networking. They're very purposeful in what they, what they want to accomplish when they go to an event, they will plan ahead in preparation for going to an event. Most of the time they will have their 30 second message either written down on a cue card of some sort, or just like, maybe they'll just have a few, um, a few uh, key words or phrases that they want to make sure that they touch on when they do their, their 30 second message. And the biggest thing that I, I have experienced with people who are introverts is that they will most times more often than not, they'll bring someone with them, someone they feel comfortable with. It's kind of like, okay, if I start to feel overwhelmed, I'm going to go find my friend. Mm. Um, so they, they will network in teams, which is fun because they'll also introduce people to the, you know, they'll introduce the person that they brought to a group and, and kind of have a group conversation. So introverts are very intentional about how they network. And I think that's something that we can all learn from. Well, I think that if you are an extrovert right now, just because you know, they bring people with them, go make you some more introverted friends, right? It's um, I love, I loved what you were saying as well about, you know, each part of it, them being intentional, they uh, bring people with them, that it's almost like a two for one. Right. Right. So that that is really amazing. I I never would have thought about it that way or looked at it that way. Um, You know, I I consider myself to be an extrovert. However, I I realize as time goes on, maybe as the older you get, you kind of like people less and less. I'm not sure how it's working (laughs) out. But Definitely. Um, I, I, I would love to read that blog post as well. So hopefully you send that to me on the side or I will, I will. go looking for it. Yep, I'll find it and I'll send you the link. So you have it. Okay. So that, wow, that, that was a really good one. <laughs> I'm really still stuck on it. Okay. So with, with you mentioning that uh, introverts will normally bring people along when, or even writing on their cue cards, how many times do you recommend that someone rehearse their 30 second message and is that number different for an introvert versus an extrovert or for someone who has a different personality uh for example you get those confident people like myself where i'll only practice it 10 times i'm good with 10. i'm not gonna do a split past 10. right what what's your advice when when it comes to that i think the most the most effective way to rehearse it is rehearse it till you feel comfortable i still to this day, even when I'm going, uh, when I'm networking virtually, mm. which I absolutely love, um, I still rehearse my 30 second message before I get on a Zoom call. I, I still, you know, if I'm driving to a networking event, I have it written out on a piece of paper next to me, or I record it on my phone and listen to it. So I know what I'm going to say. And the reason why I say that is, you know, practice, you know, they, We've always been told practice makes perfect. Well, it may not necessarily be perfect, but what it does for you when you practice it is once you get there, you're not thinking about what you're going to say and you're able to focus more on the conversations that you're having with the people in the room. Nice, nice. 
do do you get any of those clients who are just um you know there's those one-off freak people who they're like i'm not practicing it at all i'm just comfortable i'm gonna wing it every time and uh yeah so how, how do you deal with your your clients that are wingers i know you have to have a couple <laughs> no, you have to have a couple. I do. I do. And there's one in particular that came to mind because she's um, ADD and she talks about how hard it is for her to, to like say the same thing. Over, you know, she always waits to the last minute to create her 30 second message. And I'm like, I've given you the formula. <laughs> I've written numerous commercials for you. All you have to do is show up and, and say it, you know, she goes, well, I can't, I can't remember everything. So she just writes, you know, notes down on a card and invariably she misses something. It's, there's always something missing from it. I'm like, ah, oh, you forgot your call to action. Uh, what do you want them to do when they, when they know they want to buy from you? Like, it's just, it's interesting because she just, you know, you have some people that they do exactly what you coach them on. And then you have other people that are, you know, they still want to wing it. Yeah. They, uh, they're the freestylers, you know, they, they take the bits and pieces. They're like, I'm ready to incorporate this, but that not so much. Let me test this out a little yeah. bit. Um, you have them and it, it happens. The other thing, one of the things that I found when I first started working with folks and just writing their commercials for them and we'd rehearse it and I bless them and send them on their way, you know, mm -hmm. um, I you know, bless them. Just kind of funny comment there, but, um, what I found was oh, when no, I was you're not pulling out holy water and sprinkling no, 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 I left it. I left that in the other room. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, but what I found was when I would write commercials for them, you know, in the very beginning of my business, mm. invariably over time, they would revert back to what they used to say. It was like they mm. just would kind of not, it didn't sink in. It didn't take hold. So then I actually started, I expanded my work with them to like a six week program where we went through the commercials and we actually, you know, really massaged them to make it feel comfortable for them. It had to become their words. They had to believe in it themselves. And so there had to be more to it. There had to be more of a training piece and there had to be a, a deeper understanding of networking and connection and really building those relationships had to be all built into that to make it stick. And now I see people even years later still using, they understand the form because I always teach everybody the formula because your commercial will change over time. Your mm. business will change over time. So your commercial has to change over time. You can't say the same thing if you're not doing the same work or if you're adding more to what you're doing, right? If you're going deeper and you're doing different work, you need to be able to, to understand what the formula is. So I teach people how to develop their 30 second messages using the same formula. Yes. And it just, it sinks in better when it's part of a program, right? When they're invested in spending the time and really understanding the power behind your 30 second message, the power behind the formula, the power behind the creation. And obviously I talk about practice and we practice them together. So, you know, it, it makes a big difference when you take the time to really pour into the people that you're working with and, and really help them to have that substantial understanding of what it is you're giving them. I love the fact that you said, you know, after their six weeks where they really understand how everything is put together, they, they just kind of keep it right. Um, I think that's really a big deal. It's that people want to learn, right? Even with their businesses, they want to learn how to do the things that they're paying us to do. And of a lot of us coaches or are stingy with the information, we're like, no, mine. 
I'll do it for you, but you can't steal it. It's mine. Right. And it's like, it's they're going to go watch sauce. it. <laughs> right. And they're going to go figure this stuff out on YouTube anyway. Right. Right. Um, one, um, there's a friend of mine that's a coach where he said the other day, I, I don't know if I can call him a friend yet. I got to ask him. <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I heard him say the other day we were in a clubhouse room and he mentioned that, you know, all of the stuff that we all teach can be found on YouTube. It may not be said that same way, but the information's out there. Um, so that's one of the things that I really urge a lot of people to do as well is if your people are paying you, go ahead and teach them, teach them fully, give them enough information to where they may not need you and they'll always want you around. That, that's the craziest part about it um, because there's always gonna be more that you figured out that you can help them with later on down the line. Um, so what, and this is a question that's more so for our skeptical people out there, right? Not saying they're skeptical of you, but you know, they're the people who, they get a proposal, they read every work, they get a contract, they have to actually redo it, right? They're not waiting for the lawyer to tell them sign here and this is what it means. They're like, no, that word, what does that word means? I don't like that it comes after Right. Those sort of people, um, when you sit down with those people and they want to know, hey, what's the rate of return that we can get from incorporating a 30 second message using your formula? Right. They want to know the numbers. What what do you tell them? That's a really good question. And I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me that. No, I don't think I've ever had anybody ask me that. I think and I'm Rain Man. I'm one of those Measurably. Guys. It is something that I would have to go back and ask my clients mm. to see how, how much it's impact their business. Um, I know personally, when I started really dialing in on my 30 second message and having deeper conversations with people, um, I, my conversion rates went from like 50% to like 80% overnight. Wow. Yeah. And no, I think a a lot of it was the confidence that came with really understanding what I was delivering, really understanding the value I was creating for people. No, I, I think that um that makes a whole lot of sense there. You know, a lot of times uh, salesmen tell us, you, you hear Grant Cardone say a lot, it's confidence, man. Um, at, that's not my best impression, but don't ask me for another one. <laughs> <laughs> But you, you hear people like Grant Cardone um, tell us all the time that it's about the confidence, right? You've always got to be selling. That That's a lot better. That was a lot better. We're going to stay that one. <laughs> getting better. <laughs> so so um, I, I definitely could see where there's a 30% increase in closing rate because you believe yourself and the person believes you uh, across, from, across the table from you. So that's amazing. Um, but yeah, no, you, you, you keep at it. You're going to get those questions. There's people like me in the world. I ask those questions, by the way, yeah. I, I want to know what's, what's the rate of return that people are seeing on this? Because, um, I think it, it's a heavy thing with like the internet entrepreneur space and the internet marketing space where people want to know that they're paying for something that works. So a, a lot of the time they're asking 
that question. They're like, hey, what's the rate of return? What can I expect, right? Give me a ballpark. I'm not asking you to guarantee it, but what are people seeing on average, right? Give me a reason that I can blame myself after I've paying, paid you. That's, that's how I think of it. <laughs> that's the real question that I think they're asking. What's the reason that I'll be able to blame myself after I've paid you and this doesn't work for me, right? <laughs> Where's the evidence that it's my fault? And they want to know before they pay because they know that they're going to jack it all up. <laughs> no, these are all jokes. These are all jokes. Um, we're now at the part of the podcast where we do something called story for a story. And I'm really excited because you've mentioned storytelling uh, a couple of times during the podcast. So that means we're definitely going to get a good story. Um, so it starts off, you tell a story. Uh, it could be about anything on the sun. I'm just going to match your energy uh, with that story. Um, yeah, so completely up to you. Dealer's choice. Huh. Story for a story, let's yep. say. Okay. I've already given you a couple stories today. So let's see which one, which one can I pull my hat? Um, oh, I know one. How about... The experience that I had when I worked with, I did um, very high level public speaker training with an organization called Heroic Public Speaking. Nice. If you know Michael Port and you know the book, Book Yourself Solid, you know who I'm talking about. Now, the interesting thing was, you know, I, I show up and I'm, I'm ready to get on stage, but then I realized that Michael is sitting in the audience. I'm like, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> but yeah. I paid a lot of money to be in, you know, a student of his. I wanted to learn from his. And I think that the most interesting thing was when I first got there, I was like, you know, I have that tendency to be on the introverted side, whether you believe it or not, because I network for life. Right. Um, and I was very withdrawn and just kind of like watching the people in the room. And at one point in time, I think it was like our third day in and Michael was looking for a volunteer to get up on stage so he could critique staging and blocking. So it's part of the performance side of public speaking. Right. And, you know, me, I throw my hand up first. I'm like, wait, why is my hand up in the air? Like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, in my head, I'm going, but if you te want to teach people how to, how to be able to speak, you need to be able to speak and you need, you want to reach a bigger audience. Right. So I get up on stage and I, you know, my, my talk really starts out at that point in time. I think I was starting out where I was demonstrating the three different types of people that you meet in networking events. And one of them was, you know, the person that talks real fast and, blah, 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 and they want to say everything that they do because they don't want to miss anything. And they want to get every word in as fast as they can. And, you know, so I was like, okay. And then I had, I actually had given someone in the audience a bell to ding when they got, to, when I got to 30 seconds, each time I did these demonstrations. So the funny thing was when I got the second person was the person who, you know, she just kind of shared a few things that had nothing to do with her business, totally unrelevant to what she did. Third person literally turned around, walked over in the corner of the stage and just stood there. So then I like stopped. I could not believe I was so excited because Michael was laughing his butt off when I finished. He's like, I totally did not expect that last one at all. <laughs> the thing of it is, you know, we put ourselves out there day in and day out. 
But sometimes mm. when we're standing on a bigger stage, make in in order to make an effort to really be seen, right? The first instinct we, instinct we have is to run and hide. Mm. And yet, when I was finally at a point where I was ready to be on stage and where I was ready to be vulnerable and put myself out there, it was received with such love and admiration and laughter. And that's what I was going for. So you have to be really be willing to be put yourself out there. I love that story. That's an amazing story, especially the, I, I got to agree with Michael Port that 30 seconds of standing in the corner. <laughs> I was like, what did she just put herself on punishment? <laughs> <laughs> now I oh. used to have a client who would, who would literally go to the ladies room and hide every time it was time to do 30 second messages because she was so petrified of having to stand up in public and do her 30 second message. So that's the three different responses you get a lot of times when people people are not comfortable doing their message. You you know, I before I jump into my story, I will say I probably owe some people an apology because you know, this is something that really creates anxiety, just introducing yourself to people. And man, for years I'm the guy, you'll come someplace with me. And I'm like, I don't do introductions, so you too. And walk off. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and You're I just friend. realized, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm that guy. <laughs> so, I just realized the amount of anxiety that must be causing people. <laughs> so I'm sorry, and this is the only apology that you will ever get. If you ask me about it in person, I will deny it. And, okay, so I'm going to tell you my story. My story, um, it actually is a very similar. So this would it's a bit more about code switching and integrating your personality into your speaking as well, right? Um, so my journey with oration and just being an orator starts out with hip hop and rap, believe it or not, right? Um, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and in Brooklyn, everybody's a rapper, right? Everybody has a mixtape. I did not have a mixtape, but everybody's a rapper and everybody's a freestyler. And imagine you're around this group of people that can, out of thin air, pull these eloquent, complicated, weaving, woven tapestries of poetry out of their head. Just they didn't write it that day. They're just freestyling and going off. And I got to participate in that culture, right? And hip hop culture is just tied into poetry culture. So I got into spoken word and that was much more like speaking. And I got a chance to be mentored by who I believe to be the best spoken word artist in the world, right? Um, his name is Life, right? He actually owns a center down in uh, North Carolina. But when I say the guy's amazing, the first time I saw him, I was joining the Marine Corps and he had a, uh, a, no, a piece, a spoken word piece that he gave in front of a tapestry. And it was about 9-11. And I used to watch it and then go on runs. And then I met him in person when I joined the Marine Corps. So still doing spoken word up to 2012. But this is also like, these are very animated urban styles. So you can imagine there's a lot of hand gestures. My my body posture hasn't changed. It's um in the Marine Corps, we have a saying, they used to ask people, hey man, you think you're back on the block? 
right? Referring to where you came from. So in my speeches and in my spoken word pieces and in my raps, I was back on the block. I was very comfortable there. But that does not carry over well. And now enter into, uh, I first come across Tony Robbins and motivational speakers. And I realized that like spoken word is fun, but people are coming to those stages to be entertained, right? What about if I can speak to people who really want to change, right? So I say, okay, well, let me start learning how to actually deliver a speech. And I go to Toastmasters. And the first thing they ding me on, well, you know, you're, very animated it's all good you use your body really well but it's a it's a bit street it's a bit urban and i've realized hey i've been code switching when i go to work and speaking one way and then when i step on stage i'm being myself and now that it's coming time to just speak i don't know how to do it without it coming across aggressive or weird so i'm like man how do i really integrate this and there was a time where i ditched all the urban stuff all the street stuff and i was just in a suit and my hair was cut and i was pursuing the dream but i was so unhappy when i say i was unhappy it was like i wasn't being myself and i had pulled myself out of my speeches but it became really easy for me to write speeches and to communicate ideas and to get them across so i was becoming a more effective speaker but the soul was missing and i started this business around 2014 where i was doing events and i was doing public speaking i was in a custom tailored suit and i looked at the picture of myself the other day and i said man i see like i'm so glad i'm not that guy anymore and i'm going to tell you guys what happened what happened was I eventually learned that the guy in the suit and the guy who was doing the spoken word pieces were always the same person. That I could tell my audience that if I code switch and I speak the way that I'm speaking to you now, or if I said, yo, what's up, son? Those are the same people. That it's just a cultural difference. That I had this wide cultural experience and that I was gonna bring all of that to the stage with me. So that's the lesson there. Bring it all to the stage with you, right? And that's how I fully integrated myself into my speaking experience, right? That's beautiful. Okay. You know, and, and being able to recognize that within yourself, that just adds more value to what you're delivering to your audience. It, yes, I, I would say that um, that was one that was really tough for me, right? Because we get really tied to the images of success that we saw. I was like, man, I'm going to be like Tony Robbins. And it's like, but why? <laughs> right? <laughs> like when, when you start doing it, you're like, but why? Uh, you know, Tony Robbins is Tony Robbins. He's got his own thing going on. But, you know, I'm ambition and I like that guy. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. I think that's a great story. And I think it speaks to a lot of people because sometimes we do try to emulate people that we see as successful. Yes. And a lot of times when I'm working with clients, it's like, no, just be yourself. You know, a lot of times they'll show me other people's websites. Like, I want to, I want to sound like her. I want to be like her. I'm like, why? Right. You have no idea what being like her is like. That, that's the other side of it, right? There's um, they, like there's people that I know that who will be like, oh man, I want to be just like you. And it's like, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. I could think of a million better things to be. And one of them is at peace. No, you don't. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> because and, and I say it that way because trying to be like someone else will never bring you peace. Right. Um, I think the biggest thing is finding it within yourself. I agree with that. I agree with that. Right? We're all designed. We're all different. We're all designed specifically to be who we are for a purpose. And we're, and we're built to serve. And by serving one another, we bring such diversity to conversations and events and life itself. Yes. Right. If we were all the same, if we were all cookie cutter, if we all, you know, aspired to be Tony Robbins, there'd be too many Tony Robbinses in this world. I think <laughs> there's already too he'd many. He'd have nobody in his office. He'd have right. nobody in his audience. Right. <laughs> right. And who, and he's himself and he's yes. really unique. He's very right? genuine. Like, and he's a, a big teddy bear. Mm hmm. Genuinely mm -hmm. a big teddy bear. And I mean, there's other speakers again. I, I think what it was was watching the personal development industry right. and everybody was suited and booted. And I never just asked myself the question of, well, do you have to be that way or do you have to do your own thing? Right. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it comes to now to figure out, like, you know, I don't even like talking about motivation anymore. Like, I talk about really technical stuff and I try to make that easy for people on uh to understand right mm -hmm. so there's um it, it's all about finding your own lane right yeah. and that takes time and try as many things out while you're trying to figure it out as possible yeah and as you grow I think too you you start to take on different aspects of you know who you are you start to find different areas of your life that you want to improve on and by doing that work, you do expand, you do become more intense at some things and less intense at others. You know, it's I, like when you have a kid, all of a sudden you have little people you're responsible for. So now you got to figure out how to be a parent and not screw them up terribly <laughs> along the way, because there's no manual for it, right? We're figuring it out as we go. That's how life is. And no, I, I could just completely agree with that. Um, so tell us, well, before we get there, what's the last thing that you could leave our audience with, our listeners with? La one last piece of advice that you think is going to help them get to their success. Tap into your heart. Make your heart the center of everything you do, share and say. Because when Love you speak it. from your heart, people listen. Mm. And where can people get in contact with you, Laura? Easiest way to find me is at 30secondsuccess.com. And it's three, you know, the number 30 and then spell out the word second and success.com. Nice. Easiest and for way those, to find me. Boom. Right. So that's 30 seconds to success. Uh, 30 seconds to success.com. Nope. Or no 30 two. seconds. 30 second success. Oh, yes. 30 seconds success.com. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for those of you listening, go be great.